Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. On this episode of Ashto Resource Q&A, we're going to kick off a series of episodes called Taken from TechX. Kim, what is this all about? Well, the Taken from TechX idea was to share with our listeners the audio from some of the presentations Q&A sessions. So our technical exchange is an annual event that happens every March. And this year, we were able to record the sessions and the Q&A parts. So we thought we'd share the audio with listeners here on the podcast. Yeah, so the way this worked is that it was a virtual meeting. So attendees were able to submit questions and then the moderator was able to grab those questions and then ask them. So you will hear that and and what the intent was is to get as many of those answered in the period of time allotted during those sessions. Uh, so we thought that we had a great opportunity here to present this to you so you can see what it is really like to attend. And the questions can range to be very super specific to the topic of the presentation, but also you get some random questions thrown in there too. So it kind of keeps it interesting and fun. So I hope you enjoy this. This particular one that we're going to start with is on the hydrometer analysis. And this was recorded in March of 2021. The moderator is Mike Wagner, who is with the Laboratory Assessment Program. And the people answering the questions are John Dean and Pete Holter. Now, John Dean is a laboratory assessor Pete Holter is a quality analyst. All right, welcome everyone. Thanks for attending the session this morning. Great job, John and, and Pete. Thanks for, for joining us today for the Q&A session. We had some good conversations going on in the chat and some good questions, so please keep those coming. Uh, we have about 25, 26 minutes here, so we can take all of that if you, if you need it. We had a couple questions come in about the center of buoyancy measurements and why are those important. I'm going to kick that over to you, John. Thanks, Mike. So 12.5 in D7928 goes through a calculation of effective depth, and that center of buoyancy really determines where the hydrometer is staying in the water, and you use that for the particle size later on in the calculation. So that effective depth is used in the calculation to determine how much uh, material kind of exists at that point in time. Okay. Okay. And Actually, let me, let me jump back to center of buoyancy. So you use that center of buoyancy line that you've determined in that check to then get your measurements from the bottom of the scale and also to the top of the scale from that center of buoyancy. And then you use those two lengths to determine the effective depth. Uh, and like John said, that feeds into uh, the rest of the calculation. Uh, Pete, I'm going to kick this question to you. Is there ever an instant where the gradations on the hydrometer would change for a clean, unbroken hydrometer? Yeah, the graduations themselves aren't going to change. I guess the, the one possibility would be for the, the insert to maybe slide down in the stem and, and get shifted that way. And so that's why the annual checks of the hydrometer, they currently have you measure the the distance on the stem both above and below the scale to make sure it hasn't moved. And that's actually something that's going to get updated in an upcoming release of D7928. 
instead of taking those two measurements, they're going to just do the scale key reference point check where you get the reading in at 20C or, or at room temperature and correct to 20C to make sure you're getting the, the calibrated reading of zero on a 152H or one on a 151H. Okay, great. Thank you. Here's a question that we get as assessors quite often. I'm going to give this to you, John. Can you rinse the stopper into the cylinder once the, the readings are taken? For D7928, never. No. What the method does suggest is um, you can use like a rubber spatula and scrape some of the excess soil from the stopper and sort of dip it in. But you don't want to add any more water once you've started the test method. Uh, you should be just at 1,000 milliliters. And there's even a, a section in 7928 that discusses that addition of water, as I mentioned during the presentation, the small loss of material, you know, less than half a gram is going to be less significant in your calculations than adding up to, you know, three, five milliliters of water just to rinse it. Um, so you can scrape it back in and, and that should be sufficient. Okay. Is that the same for material that might be clinging to the, to the sides of the cylinder after the agitation? Yeah, at no point after agitating do you want to add more water. You, you can attempt to scrape it back in. There might be some scenarios where if it rides up on the sides, you could re-agitate it. It could come back in, or you might just have to rerun the entire sedimentation process. Thank you. We have a question here oh, about you. intervals. Why does the method require the measurements to be performed annually instead of every 24 months like an R18? Yeah, so... Uh... R18 is written with only D422 in mind. So now we have D7928. And if you ever have a requirement of a test method that goes beyond the requirements of R18, that's the test method requirements will supersede the minimum specified in R18. So for D7928, for the annual checks, again, you're only rechecking those two measurements at this point, both to determine the length of the stem above and below the scale. I think it'd be great to every year go ahead and do a fresh determination of your center buoyancy and, and get new HR1, HR2 values, because those are the ones that are critical to the results of your test method and the calculation of the effective depth. So I would recommend doing that in addition to the two required checks. Not sure that there's going to be an update to R18 to kind of incorporate the D7928 checks. Not sure of any headway on that. But another thing to keep an eye out on is that when you're checking the critical dimensions for D7928 in the soon to be released update, they are going to be loosening those tolerances or the various dimensions, like the, there's going to be a ball maximum diameter uh, check uh, that's not currently in D7928, I recall. But the current tolerances that are in E100 are going to be opened up a little bit because some of the hydrometers being manufactured are, are failing the tolerances. And so they're, they're going to accommodate those variations and, and make those tolerances a little bigger. Great. Thanks, Pete. John, I'm going to give this question to you. Pete, feel free to, to elaborate if you have anything to add. What are the most notable differences in the final results between D422 and D7928? 
what are the difference in the final results as in like a comparison between the two? Yeah. Um, as far as, as I'm aware, it's uh, understood that there hasn't been any of the, the cross-laboratory analyses um, to see whether or not D7928 is achieving its goal to be more precise or if there's even a determined margin of error difference between labs running D422 and D7928. What D7928 is going for, though, is just by tightening all the checks and the calculations and the procedures is that you're getting a more accurate end value. Uh, but at this point in time, I don't think anyone, especially on our end, has done that sort of comparison to see how D7928 is holding up against uh, people running D422. I was just going to add to that, you know, one thing with D422 is it has you report uh, values for diameters that kind of fall in between the readings that you're getting on your hydrometer. And you have to do some method of interpolation to get those, to be able to report the results that they're calling for. And basically D422 is going to have you just read that off of a graph without saying, you know, use linear interpolation to get between the readings. So D7928 doesn't do that. It just has you report your hydrometer readings and, and the values at those readings. You, you go ahead and graph those, but it doesn't say, you know, give us the percent passing for 0 0.02 millimeter. So, uh, or 0 0.002 millimeters, like you'll see in, in D422 or, or for our proficiency sample results. Thanks, Pete. Going back a couple questions about filling up the, the cylinder after you've done your agitation, are you able to fill it up slightly below the 100 ml mark or 1,000 ml mark and then use a little bit of water to, to rinse stuff down? Uh, John? I would highly suggest not doing that for any reason other than it's not specified in the standard. And, you know, here at Ashton Resource, we like to do things line by line by the standard. There are other tests that kind of allow that, like T. 176 and equivalent lets you do that. However, with this one, I would suggest not doing that. Uh, Pete, do you have anything to expand on that? No, yeah, you uh, fill it to the thousand milliliter mark and you check that mark during your cylinder check like John's demonstration showed, so should be right. Yeah, and no changes afterwards. And might as well mention at this point, that currently it has you measure the temperature of the water when you're doing your cylinder check to get the thousand milliliter mark uh, or to verify that it, it has you determine the temperature of the water figure out how much water by mass you'd have to add to get to a thousand milliliter volume sounds like in the future they'll uh, allow for instead of doing that just go ahead and fill it up to the thousand milliliter mark and see how much mass and determine your temperature and then and, and see what the actual volume is at your thousand milliliter mark uh, which is slightly different from the way it's described in the check currently i would add to my previous explanation is is you know after you agitate it your end goal is to have a completely homogeneous solution adding water at the end of that is going to cause a, a layer of water at the top, as minor as that may be, it's something to consider, that extra water just on the top, not homogenous with the rest of the sample. Good point. 
Pete, I have a question for you. This one was very popular in the chat during the session. Are you allowed to use isopropyl alcohol to dispense the foam? I believe this is for after yeah, the agitation. Yeah. yeah, so after that setting period, it talks about that. And uh, I think uh, we had a participant mention a section reference, 1171, where it talks about adding up the three drops. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. Well, you can add that, but it, it's, you know, the standard is pretty strict about not adding stuff after you've gotten to the thousand milliliter mark. But uh, uh, there's a little bit of a deviation there from the standard practice. I mean, you have to get rid of the foam. So the recommended practice there. Thanks, Pete. John, here's a question for you. Is there a best practice for tracking the corrections for each hydrometer in use? Uh, you know, some of the labs have multiple hydrometers in the lab, and it can be easy to confuse the correction factors. Have you seen anything during your uh, assessments that might provide some use for some of our attendees? I personally haven't seen any method that sticks out better than just being really mindful of serial numbers, making sure each hydrometer has its own data sheet, such as the one Pete provided, that will be in the, the files tab for this presentation. I like to suggest with a lot of tests that are as strict as this, uh, DA54 comes to mind, is to have that calibration sheet very close to wherever the apparatus is stored. Uh, so with the picnometers and DA54, they're calibrated very specifically. You verify the mass within 0.06 grams. And to do that with the hydrometer, you just make sure that the hydrometer has maybe not the official record, but a copy of the record alongside it so you know that through its use you're making sure you're keeping the one hydrometer with the accurate calibration it's a great question uh, if you get anyone in the audience has any suggestions please feel free to add those to the chat pete here's a question for you how do you know the gradation by hydrometer test is a true gradation is there any other method to to cross check it hmm i, I i'm not sure what uh other people might be doing to confirm that. I know there have been studies to see whether the equations used are, are in fact holding true over a certain length of time, uh, especially as you get closer to 24 hours and beyond, and whether Stokes' law really works at that point, and it looked like it starts to not really correlate to the data. And I can't remember the equipment uh, used to make that comparison, some kind of x-ray, something or other. But I don't know about any typical, you know, materials testing lab alternative to getting down to the size diameters we're talking about with using the hydrometer. All right, thanks. John, here's a question for you. Can you put the cylinder inside of a water bath with the temperature control instead of taking the temperature after each reading? So you'd still want to verify the temperature, but temperature baths are allowed in all methods. There's a very interesting difference between the three hydrometer methods we're discussing. And D7928 is going to be immediately following the second agitation before that one minute mark. And then I believe it's T88 is between the two and five minute mark off the top of my head. And then I think D422 is after the five minute mark. I can double check that real quick, unless Pete, you know that offhand as well. 
No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just to, I have all the standards in front of me um, and just wanted to reiterate the D422 is between the two and five minute readings and the T88 is immediately after. Uh, Pete, here's another question for you about the, the gradation scale. There's a foil strap on the scale of the hydrometer designed to break if the, if the scale moves. Someone wants to know why isn't that sufficient uh, as far as like for doing a visual inspection of the hydrometer instead of measuring? I mean, I've never seen a hydrometer with a, a scale that did move or was, you know, in the right spot at one point, but then not at another. I've seen broken hydrometers so yeah what's the real possibility of the scale shifting and this throwing off your measurements uh not really sure that there is a real possibility of that happening and, and i guess if there's a safety in place that i wasn't aware of but uh, uh if that would break before that would even happen then yeah well i guess it might not be all that necessary as long as you do it that first time. But the standard requires it. And, and currently the standard, so for example, in the 152H, uh, you, could, you need a zero plus or minus one reading at 20C. But if it is off by one, you don't really apply a correction to your test results. So I'm not sure the value of, of that, of seeing, oh, it's off by a half, so let's add that correction. That'd be a good update to D7928. You know, one good thing about checking things periodically is, well, what if the first person who checked it that first time didn't really do it right, and, and it was off to begin with, and then someone next, someone different does it next year, and, and they see, oh, it is not good. And so, well, maybe it was not good to begin with, but, it wasn't really checked properly. So, so doing those periodic checks is, is helpful in that sense, in that way too. Okay. I think we have a, we had a suggestion in the chat to just shake the ball really hard. And if the paper doesn't move, you should be good to go. So we can make that suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, John, here's a question for you about the measurements. Can you clarify the measurement of HR1? Should they measure to zero or to the end of the actual scale? Let me double check. I'm ready for that. Pete. Yeah. So feel free. That's going to go to negative five on the 152H hydrometer and, and to 0.995 on the, on the 151H. So the figure is correct. There's a proposed update to D7928, and I can't remember if it's in one of the examples in the back or in the text, but it says it shows going only to zero or the one and it was confirmed that that is incorrect and that yes you do take it up to the negative five and 0.995 i don't think it really matters i mean you're not going to be able if you don't take it up all the way you're not going to be able to get 100 percent accuracy in case you get a reading smaller than zero or smaller than one uh, which isn't going to happen in daily testing but yeah you, you take it all the way up so that you have that length uh, of scale and accurate measurements all the way up to the top of the scale. Thanks, gentlemen. Uh, Pete, here's a question for you. Uh, with, so with 422, 
are they required now to agitate material and wait 24 hours before re-agitating and running the test? Or does this only apply to D7928? Yeah, there's only the one agitation in D422. So I, I recall D422, you have a soaking period before you, you put in the milkshake mixer thingy. So uh, this kind of, as you do the milkshake mixer, then do the agitation, and then you have the sitting period, and then the second agitation. Yeah, there's only one agitation in D422. All right, thanks. I just wanted to say before we run out of time, there is an update to the next D7928. In the current version, the meniscus correction, it says that it's a positive number, but that's actually wrong and it's a negative number. So uh, that's gonna change your effective depth when you get that fixed, if you have something set up currently to, so make sure you make that change, uh, that, that is a calculation error in the current test method. Sounds good, thanks for that, Pete. Well, that, leave, that takes us to the end of our session today. Thank you everyone for attending. Thanks, Mike. See you, thanks everyone. And that was the Q&A session following the hydrometer analysis presentation at the 2021 Technical Exchange from our Taken from TechX series. If you'd like to get involved in TechX, if that episode intrigued you at all and you wonder what it's like to be there in person, check out the next Ashto Resource Technical Exchange. And Kim, when and where is that going to be? That is currently scheduled to happen in March of 2022. We're still planning out details for that, but you can check out ashtoresource.org slash events, and we'll be updating more information on that page when we know more about the 2022 Technical Exchange. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240 436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resources' Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.